Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Sam Duncan is our media analysis expert on the sporting capital for Holmes Glen. Upskill your career, learn more, do more at Holmes Glen. And Sam, it's appropriate that our, our number one talking point on tonight's uh, list of agenda items is Essendon and what's been happening with them in the last 48 hours. Welcome to the show. G'day, Jordan. Good to be with you. So what have you made of the last 48 hours with the Bombers? Because it's been a bit of a circus, but uh, underneath it all, or maybe really sitting on top of the the entire pile is the fact that Ben Rutten is still their coach for what it's worth. Yeah, it's been really interesting watching it play out in the media as well. I mean, the scuttlebug first started when word got around that they were going to change uh, presidents and then there was a sort of a domino impact from there. But everything moved quite quickly yesterday morning with a board meeting with a new president, but also in certain sections of the media reports that Ben Rutten had been removed as the coach and wouldn't be coaching this week and that uh, G and Syracuse would take the, uh, take, take the reins. Uh, and so as a result of that, that elevated the story even more. But since then, not a great deal has happened. And yet, as is often the way in the you know, AFL media, it has caused and created an enormous amount of discussion. But if we look at what we know factually, it isn't a great deal. It is that they have got themselves a new president. And everything that we are talking about in and around that um, has still yet to be confirmed. And so many people are critical of the media for speculating, but you've got to remember that that's their job in many respects. It is to probe. It is to ask questions. It is to critically analyse. It is to hypothesise about what could happen. And in the absence of Essendon communicating that this is what we're going to do next, of course others are going to fill that narrative gap. The Essendon Football Club know people are talking about them. They know people are speculating about um, them approaching Alistair Clarkson and their current coach. And they know that they could speak. They're choosing not to, which means at this stage, the speculation and the chatter is going to continue. So, by yeah, okay. But by not speaking, I understand that the speculation will continue because nothing solid has come from the club. There's a few different tangents we can go down from here. So, firstly, does that... Is that why? Why would they employ that strategy then, Essendon, by choosing not to speak, knowing that it's just going to create more uh, speculation and that just drives a, a you know a wilder flame? What are they getting out of it, the Bombers, by not talking about it? Well, I mean that's a really good question because in issues management, clear communications is key. You generally don't communicate when you don't have anything clear to communicate. And that is they might not know yet what they are going to do. They are keeping their powder dry. Or they may not want the public to know the route they're going down in case it doesn't work and they have to come up with a plan B. Uh, and so for them, people speculating about what they might do in, in their eyes might be better than people knowing and then them having to go back um, with their tail between their legs. But it is quite bizarre. I mean, they have a coach... And they're approaching, um, or it's reported that they're approaching another coach with the current coach seemingly oblivious. Um, And so they also have to be very conscious about their stakeholders. 
their fans and their sponsors and their partners who are watching this and looking to see how they handle it. So um, generally, you know, in terms of your question, clear communications is generally best. You generally don't communicate when you're unsure what to communicate, and that is that you're unsure of your action. The other tangent on this is, uh, so how control, and this has been a, a, an ongoing and more modern string of, of media and communications, is that the club wants to communicate uh, most of their messages. There's not much left for the journos these days. The actual hard-hitting big scoops that journos get and can go public with and confirm are becoming less and less. Um, what does does this mean that we are sort of officially now in an era where the the really big messages uh, that come from clubs, not just like little side stories, but the really big stories that come from clubs, we can only ever now assume that they are confirmed and are true when the club actually runs with it in their media arm of their of their club department or is there still space for someone like you know for example sam edmund here at sen to say uh, and go with the story and confirm it and then people can take that on its word well that's an excellent point that's an excellent question because um increasingly you are right news is broken by the clubs through their own channels through to their fans directly. That's when we know it's confirmed and that's when we consider it authentic and that's when we ourselves verify the information. Um, there is still scope for journalists to break news. There's no doubt about that. They need to back in their sources and go with it when they think the time is right. But in the consumer's minds and in their eyes, even if a journalist was to break a story, the, the, the fan, the consumer, would still be waiting for the comment from the club, the official comms coming from the club, the press conference, the video, the statement that lands on the website and is disseminated through the um, social media channels, which has changed the role of the media big time. I mean, we often talk about the relationship between clubs and the, the media being at an all-time low. Journalists would say that's because you don't let us in. You don't tell us anything. We have to snoop around because the relationships are, are not there. If we establish relationships, if things were more open, we'd have a better relationship um, and everyone would be more transparent. But but you are quite right. We will probably know what's going on when Essendon announce it themselves, and that's when we'll believe it. There's a text that's come in from Willow from Murrumbina who says, uh, Good evening. Are you serious? You are blind. You are blaming Essendon for not communicating on pure media speculation. The media have not been advised by anyone uh, from the club on a change of coach. The journos are making stuff up. No accountability. Cheers, says Willow. I'll, I'll, I'll say to you, Willow, and, and I'll let you comment, Sam, as well, that clubs can comment and, and communicate on speculation. Melbourne did that very thing at the start of the season when people were talking about Simon Goodwin and him potentially leaving the club or, or whatever the rift was uh, of him possibly leaving the club a year ago. Um, when you know there was some sort of speculation that he'd had a rift with the players, and and Melbourne came out and released an official statement, basically denying any of that, and Simon Goodwin even came out and communicated that as well. So the clubs can still strategize a communications plan around speculation too. Sam, you're 100 percent correct. I think you're living in fantasy land if you think that in today's day and age, with saturated media coverage, staying silent. 
um, is is par for the course. I mean, Essendon would have seen the images of their coach walking into training before sunrise, being doorstopped and walking back out. They would have seen their coach under the pump getting asked questions about whether they still have a job, whether there's clarity on what's happening this week and whether they expect to speak next week. In the interests of their coach, they could clarify the situation if they had good news for the coach. Um, So the media will speculate. I'm sorry, that's their job, to probe, to investigate, to ask questions, to question what's going on. If we just let these organisations communicate their own uh, messages unfettered and go without challenging them, what we're letting them do is just run a public relations campaign without a public interest, you know, probe. That's what the media are there to do. Uh, And so that will continue, and so it should. And I think there should be media and comms strategies around how to best handle that um, and and as a priority how to look after your people it's not a good look when their coach is getting asked these questions and seems oblivious to what is going on um, at board level have you seen a a moment like this where we've had such a split or you know particularly yesterday where we had such a split between various different media outlets reporting uh, different things. So, you know, at, at times with other stories, we've had rumours and, you know, journalists and, and publications going with, you know, we believe this to be the case, even though they might not confirm it fully. But yesterday we had such, I don't feel like I've ever seen really two extreme sides where we've had a handful of journos and, and, and publishers going with, this is absolute fact, Ben Rutten has been removed as coach, and then other publications saying, you know, only Essendon have had a meeting and Ben Rutten for now is still the coach. I've never seen such a vast split at the two opposite ends. That was really interesting. And you're probably right off the top of my head. I can't think of one. I mean, being right matters the most. Being right matters the most. And so every journalist is going to have to weigh up the credibility of their sources and the information they have before they go public. There is a race to be first, I get that. But being first counts for nothing unless you are also right. You know, what was interesting was Neil Mitchell actually, you know, uh, said on his program that he believes that Ben Rutten has been replaced and and will not coach this um, week. Um, What's interesting about that is he's not a a sports journalist. Mm. I'm not questioning for his, you know, credentials as a journalist, Um, but he doesn't specialise and spend his time um, on the phones talking to AFL people. And following that, the large majority of footy journos, if you like, they, you know, kept their powder dry, so to speak. I was listening to SEN and Sam Edmund was on there saying, look, this has been reported by Neil Mitchell, uh, but I can't verify it. Uh, and then we, when we did see other reports, the report, the Channel 7 tweet, for example, said um, words to the effect of, as per Neil Mitchell, Ben Rutten has been replaced. Mm. The thing is, what we have these days, Jordan, is social media. Uh, and people read different things at different times and scroll through and see things and not see narratives can go off in all sorts of directions on social media and in life um, without the consumer actually realising that it isn't fact. So that adds another layer and dimension to to momentum, if you like, behind a storyline that can be very hard to rein in. Paul off the text says, journalism is not speculation. It should be facts. Report on facts, not what you believe. Yes, you probe and investigate, but journalism is not speculation. 
Uh, Sam, is this is this a where we need uh, a clarification maybe on what is journalism and what is reporting, or is there a difference between journalism and reporting, or do they just fall under the same category? Well, I think it's a good point. You know, journalists should deal with facts. There's no doubt about that. But they also shouldn't be waiting for the facts to be given to them on a platter. They are going to probe. They are going to investigate. Uh, They are going to weigh up the quality of their sources and they are going to report on them. If they simply sit back and wait for the Essendon Football Club um, to tell them what's happening, uh, then we'll be basically letting a football club run their own race, which is... which which in many respects is okay, unless, of course, we think that they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes Mm -hmm. and mistreat, in doing that, their stakeholders. I mean, journalists are there to hold people to account, uh, and ethics in journalism is extremely important. There's no doubt about that. Um, And so they shouldn't just be making stuff up. But speculating is also hypothesising about what could happen. I mean, that plays out in the media every single day on Sports talk radio, on talkback radio, that isn't a new phenomenon. Now, perhaps the, the bar has got lower with journalists saying this might happen and that might happen. Yep. You can take that for what it's worth, really. I think, you know, we need to be quite savvy as a consumer to figure out what's really going on and who's got the right information and who hasn't. But, you know, the best journalists, Jordan, they get it right. I mean, if you follow Caroline Wilson over the years, she's upset a lot of people. She's had people say she's making it up, that she hasn't mentioned her sources, that it's all, you know, based on speculation. And guess guess what? More often than not, when the story runs its race, she's right. Uh, So it matters. Being right matters. But if we just think that we're only going to get dished the facts in today's day and age, I just don't think that's the way the media operates. Let's talk about Sunday footy because uh, the Magpies and the Swans had a huge game on Sunday uh, two days ago with a sold-out crowd and a, a big um, TV viewer number which came in this morning, which was very interesting to see and might be replicated this upcoming weekend, if not bettered uh, in their Collingwood-Carlton game. But the 320 Sunday game has been pretty prosperous all season long. I think Channel 7 would be happy with that time slot and what it's provided. So what's the, the overall analytics show for Sunday games and how well it's been this season, uh, Sam? Yeah, it's been going fantastically. I mean, look, the, the weekend, admittedly, great contest. Two teams, you know, high up on the ladder with a lot to play for. 866,000 people tuned in. I mean, they're Friday night figures. Sunday afternoon, 3.20. It just goes to show the importance of the AFL's, you know, equalisation strategies, that we get to this stage of the year and we look at the fixture and there are so many good games to watch that are going to generate these types of ratings that are going to help them sell their product. And I mean, Jordan... Just to take it a step further and to to go back to Essendon for a second, this is why success and a successful product matters. Sydney and Collingwood are playing on Channel 7 on Sunday afternoon, attracting 866,000 viewers. Um, You know, Collingwood and Melbourne, the Friday night uh, before, attracted 1.2 million viewers. Essendon played at 4.40 on Sunday against Port Adelaide for the third time in that time slot across six weeks and had around 170,000 people watching. Um, You've got to have a strong product if you want to be seen and 
brand to be accessible and to grow your product and brand. But the AFL would be wrapped with Sunday afternoon football, so much so I don't think a Sunday afternoon final would be out of the question. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. I think I'd hope it does. Actually, I, I like the Sunday time slot. It's been. Um, it's provided great games this season. And the last one, the last point I'll uh, want to bring up here is uh, Tassie plus one. So Andrew Dimitri had some good comments, and I'm I'm curious about what the flow on would be of having a 19th team in the AFL, but also having a 20th team in the AFL, and what that means for TV rights and deals and negotiations. What would it mean, Sam? Well, one wonders whether this has been discussed as part of the current package. I mean, if this current package is going to be a six-year deal, for example, will we have a Tasmanian team before the end of the six years? Has that been accounted for in the discussions? Do they want a 19th and 20th team to come in at the same time or within a year of each other to ensure we have an additional game? That additional game will therefore add value because for the broadcasters who bankroll the game, a 19th licence doesn't really add much. There's still going to be nine games a weekend and then one team's going to have five. Mm. They'd much rather have an extra game a weekend, but to do that, they need the 20th licence. And then if you've got a 20-team competition, I mean, what are the machinations and flow-on effects from that? I mean, are we getting to a point at 20 games where everyone plays each other once? Then there might be the wild card weekend and then your finals. Um, or are we going to have a conference system where we have two conferences of 10 and you can really build in your, you know, your big blockbusters and rivalries that actually amplify the product and attract more people to television screens? But that can become quite complex in terms of who plays who and who's travelling where. Um, but it does open up a lot of different possibilities for the game. I mean, um, but... As Andrew Demetrio said, from a revenues perspective, from a television and, and streaming rights perspective, it's not just the 19th licence that matters. It's the extra game, which then brings in the 20th licence. Yep, yep. Sam, good session. That was a good chat. Thank you so much. Enjoy it, Jordan. Chat again next week. Dr. Sam Duncan, the course leader for Sports Degrees at Holmes Glen. And you can study sports, business, health, or building a construction. Apply now, learn more, do more at Holmes Glen. We'll take our final break of this hour and we'll wrap up things uh, in this portion of the show. We'll talk a bit of Premier League after uh, 8 p.m. as well with Rob Tanner from The Athletic UK. Uh, all that and more coming up in the next hour here on the Sporting Capital. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.